0: Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Today, we're discussing the five movies nominated by the Directors Guild of America in the category of theatrical feature film, specifically from an assistant director point of view. This will be the 74th annual DGA Awards, and the ceremony will be held on March 12th. First, let me introduce today's panel. Katie Carroll, you're a member of the Directors Guild, currently working as a First AD, and it's your third year appearing on our DGA panel. Welcome back. Thanks, glad to be here. Also back for his third DGA panel, Bill Hardy, DGA member, First AD, and sometime producer. Nice to see you again. Hey, Skid. And joining us for the first time, Roger Mendoza, DGA member and currently working as a second AD. Welcome. Hi, Skid, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing well, Roger. Glad you could join us. Finally, returning to the panel, Sean O'Banion, still not in the DGA, but as in years past, we're giving you partial credit as a member of the Producers Guild of America. Additionally, since we last gathered, you've launched not one, but two podcasts, which means you and I now share a very special kinship. Sean, welcome back.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having me. I'm still putting my book together, guys. I'm still putting the book
0: together uh we'll we'll check in with you again it's nice to see all of you let's dive right in this year we're going to discuss the nominees alphabetically in order of directors last name listeners this is your spoiler warning first up paul thomas anderson for licorice pizza
2: why did i realize we were going to start with that one (laughs) i'll be honest i'm not a huge fan
0: katie say more what didn't you like about this one
2: the biggest thing i had with this one was like just so much running so much running they're always <laughs> running everywhere all the time i got exhausted watching it like chimney christmas and i wanted to like that one the most because it was la i grew up in la like it resonated that way and there were some things i liked about it but eh, i just i couldn't get behind it
3: <laughs> the running actually led me to one of my main thoughts which was uh it was a lot like manhattan Which I used to love watching and don't like watching so much anymore. But the things that when I liked watching Manhattan, I was too young to think about. And now, when I think about it, I'm like, Oh, that's kind of weird. So I think that uh, 18 year old me would have totally loved and been okay with this movie. But the adult me says, Couldn't we have just said she was 18 and then I don't think we would have had any problems. Everything else, I thought, because it was a dial, it could have been fixed with dialogue in my opinion. I don't know whether I'm crazy that she looks like she could have pulled off 18 too. And that would have worked for all the story parts, I think. But maybe that's not part of the story. Maybe it's supposed to be about the difference.
2: Completely agree. Like, that 10 years is a lot. If he was 15 and she was 18, 19... All right, it's still not ideal but I can get by that. But 10, 25 to 15 is huge. Even if back then we didn't realize how bad it was, now we do, which means this movie was made now, it's not okay.
0: But I think it's still okay to tell a story. I don't think the I don't think you have to punish these characters for the age difference and I don't think that the story is about sort of a pedophilia approach, talking about him being 15 and her being 25. I don't think that's as big a problem for the overall movie, nor for what Paul Thomas Anderson has put together here. This series of events and these sort of little anecdotal stories that I think are sort of his bread and butter. Again, is it on the top of his list for films, is even on my top for the films this year? No, but it's not at the bottom.
4: This is going to seem really strange, but when I was, I don't know, 14, I had a 22-year-old girlfriend. She wasn't really my girlfriend i just expected her to be my girlfriend <laughs> it's the same thing that happens in the show i was like you will be mine <laughs> right so 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 i can see what a young boy gets obsessed with somebody that's older and they still give them the time right and they're like yeah you're cute i'm gonna hang out with you but but never was it ever inappropriate until i think that they were of age so i i wouldn't consider that a pedophilia story they were just this people that were simpatico.
0: I mean, I think you got more grounds, Katie, if you're bothered by the running. Although, not it wasn't that long ago that I watched uh, uh, Last Night in Soho, which has a lot more running than this, for, for the films of last year. That is a movie where they're doing a lot of running around. And uh, it
3: was a, a very COVID friendly shot, you know? It's, uh, it's a year. Well, we'll just have them running. They're by themselves in the frame. It's, it's a lot, it will add action.
2: Well, the other way it's COVID friendly, like if you watch the credits, he gives credits to like literally almost all of the kids in all of the different groups that are gathered, and they all have the same last name, and they're all last names of his buddy's kids. So yeah. it's COVID friendly in that, like, there's seven bubbles that are mingling instead of 27 <laughs> bubbles. Like, it's all his buddy's kids.
1: Yeah, lots of Spielbergs in there, lots of, uh you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't bump on the age thing, I guess partly for, for what Roger had said, that they nothing physical happened in, in the beginning. And also, he's playing a kid who's, a, who's an actor kid, who's a set kid. And he, you know, those kids are only ever around grown-ups and, and interacting in a, a, an adult environment. So I just sort of thought, like, no wonder he's so forward and sort of aggressively pushing to, to, to be with her, because that's just how he knows to be now
3: i agree it never crossed the line it was just an ick factor for me it was still my second maybe third favorite movie of the year you know which is another conversation but well actually i think it is this conversation (laughs) (laughs) but i would have liked it more if it was if it had if just for that one little thing which is kind of big (laughs)
1: <laughs> kind of a big little thing. It's a big little thing. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't like it overall. I'm, I am a P.T. Anderson fan. Uh, the only film of his that I think I didn't really like was Punch Drunk Love, um, and that was mostly because it was it was kind of sold to me even when it was being shot as something that then it didn't turn out to be. So when I went to see it at the theaters, I was confused by it. Um, this one, I don't know. It felt like he had four different stories he wanted to tell and he couldn't choose which one to tell. So he just mashed them all together. And then they all felt like they got short shrift to me.
2: Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a bunch of vignettes, but not vignettes that are cohesive. It's like, he, he couldn't figure out where to go. And he was probably writing for the last three years. So it was like, Oh, what, what if I told this? Oh, what if I told that? And the only thing that keeps them all together, is the valleys in like the late seventies. Well, that's, not the same as the valley in magnolia it's yeah. no it's different and yeah there's i don't or even
1: boogie nights yeah
2: exactly
4: how long did the very end take with the them delivering the bed to i can't remember the guy's name
1: john peters
3: yeah,
4: yeah that was so and that's, I, that's I was annoyed of at that point in the movie i was like why why is this happening now why is this taking so long
2: yes
1: yeah the truck yeah. going down the hill, like a bit of slapstick. And I just kind of was like, what is happening?
4: Let's draw this out as long as we can. <laughs> uh, I, I liked
3: all those things that you guys just said you didn't like.
2: <laughs> I love Bradley Cooper's John Peters. Like that performance yeah. is probably my favorite in the entire movie, but it wasn't like, if, you're, if the best performance is a supporting actor, almost a cameo, what does that mean about the whole movie? If that stands out as the best thing about the movie?
1: I thought, I thought Alana was really good. I mean, for me, I think she was the best thing in it. I thought she was excellent for being, you know, first time. I think it's her first time acting and certainly a first time in a feature. Um, I thought she was great.
2: She was great. I still don't think she was the best part of the movie but Bradley's Bradley's a scene
1: stealer you know he is and I also I mean being also from Los Angeles just just the the way that it was depicted and the way that they were able to make you know find those places that still look like they were in the 70s and you know production design art direction all that kind of stuff costuming I thought was phenomenal typical for for P.T. Anderson films but really great
0: yes also with noting on that is that setting it just a couple of decades ago is actually a really challenge from a, all those reasons you said sean to get all those things right and certainly an attention to detail and i'm sure you know it's a big part of the production overall that it, that it that i give it credit for that as well
2: totally random and completely off kilter but watching the credits i don't know if you all know besides all this bunny's friends the gaffer gets above the line credits the key grip doesn't <laughs> i don't quite understand that they work hand in hand like one can't do much without the other yeah. as as
1: somebody one, had somebody had, a, somebody had a better agent yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: at producers discretion
2: yeah so i that one i rewound like am, am i seeing what i think i'm seeing? okay just check it. all right fair enough
0: <laughs> all right well we got a mixed jury on that one uh, next up let's talk about kenneth branoff for belfast somebody else go first <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I'll go. It was another one that, you know, I mean, I think it had won the Sundance audience award, something like that. I mean, it it came with a lot of buzz and I'm watching it on a screener. So it was my first time looking at it after hearing so much about it. I wasn't blown away by it. I I liked some of what Brana did. I liked, uh, that, that he went to color anytime they went to the movie theater. I thought that was pretty great. Um, but I wasn't wowed by the, the little boys, the lead performance. I wasn't even wowed by, you know, Karen Hines or Judy Dench. They were fine. Um, over, overall, it just kind of like, I was like, yeah, that it was, it was sweet, I guess.
3: That, that's what I was going to say, but it was the Brannall's sweet little movie, which was, in, I think, uh, As an amazing director, he was just been getting out of control. I think, you know, at a certain 10 years ago, he was already 10 stories above uh, the top. So as this is bringing it back down to a more understandable level, I think it was uh, a little biographical from what I read. Um, And, yeah, it just felt really relatable to me. So I was able to enjoy all the characters. That's my Irish heritage, though, too.
2: Yeah, mine, too. And I'll just say with Judy Dench, even Judy Dench at Fine is still light years above everybody else. I mean, yeah, I, you can't sure. not watch the screen when she's on on camera. Just a little smirk she gives, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm there. She's everybody's grandma at that point. And you're like, I'm home. <laughs> I didn't grow up in Ireland, but I'm home right now with this family <laughs> cohesion and this and a couple that's arguing, but still trying to make it work for their family. And I, I, I love the story about it.
3: This is the movie where every, you know, There's a couple of examples this year, but uh, every year I end up talking about perspective and the little kid perspective where the real world stuff is happening in an adult conversation in the background. If you're paying attention, you catch it, but it's not the kid's perspective. So he's, he's at street level, literally, with the story that's going on and how it's affecting
0: things. Yeah, Bill, I think I'm going to disagree with you on this one because I think this movie could have benefited by sticking stronger to that kid's point of view. I think a lot of what's going on in Ireland and the Troubles is actually very, very present in this film in a way that I think hurts it. I think it hurts the overall story. I also appreciate the small hometown stuff, but given that it's autobiographical, I think the drama about what the family's going to decide at the end is kind of absent from the film because you kind of know where Kenneth Branagh ended up and it wasn't you know with a broken family in Northern Ireland like he moved you, we know that right and so and because they spend so much time on sort of the tensions there that tension feels empty and I think that that makes the film feel solid and not revelatory on either side of it for me on either side of that divide between the hometown sort of story of the child or the larger issues about the troubles and I think it it straddles it in a way that is nostalgic for him personally, but I didn't find that engaging.
3: I, I hear what, I hear what everybody's saying, uh, but you're all wrong. No, <laughs> no I, there, there's uh specific elements that I was, that really caught my eye it, that brought me into it. I have to say that, you know, things like, uh, the, through the, the barricades at the end of the street, kind of confining this kid's world. I really liked that. Uh, and the fact that everybody keeps saying this is only going to be another couple of months when well, we know that in hindsight that it was it just ended <laughs> in 98 so i i you know it wasn't my favorite movie but i definitely uh liked it
4: more than you guys i guess
2: <laughs> no it's still up there for me i just loved it as a story and a yeah
4: i i, I didn't really know a lot about the troubles but i had a lot of respect for the movie and and, and I'm an immigrant, so so I moved away from Colombia because things were weird in the 80s. Um, so for me, it resonated in the fact that dad really wanted to move the family away from the danger. We know that's not where it ultimately ended, right? But, but the, the same thing happened in my family where my family moved, my dad stayed. So in order to be able to get away from the danger. And I wish they would have shown it more from the perspective of the child rather than the perspective of the parents because i think that's where i agree with skid that's where it veered away where it should have been more focused on how the child saw the world because i think it would have been more magical but that's the director's choice
0: sean do you also affiliate with your irish background on that? Is that as <laughs> i do as well no, right? good... <laughs> well
1: i mean yeah i mean sure uh but i i don't know if the, i mean a lot of it, i don't know about the troubles either so a lot of that i was kind of like trying to get up to speed on and figure out what was going on and why it seemed, you know, so confined to this one street that all this stuff is going on and tying into the dad. So, you know, I spent a little bit of time just trying to get my feet under me in terms of Irish history and Belfast history, um, which I guess in a way kept, kept me at a bit of an arm's length for, for the first 20 or so minutes of trying to figure out who these people are and what their lives are.
4: I'm just gonna go like good old American racism right, where everybody hates anybody that's not white, right, I I lived in the south most of the time, so so I was always black, even though I'm Colombian, like, for me, it's really odd to um, have a group of people that hate each other, just solely based on religion, right, you're Catholic, I'm Catholic, or I was born Catholic, it's really odd that these religions that believe in the same thing, want to kill each other. it it, it was it was kind of enlightening to me that people just want to hate each other for very small minute differences even though they're all the same color (laughs) for me racism has always been about color (laughs) so so maybe in that way it just means that humans suck
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah they
1: can all humans can always find reasons to hate
4: each other
2: oh yeah
0: well i think if this was in the first time directors category it would definitely probably be the top film down there. Number but, one. <laughs> yeah, But we're expecting, I just think we expect more, whether it's the themes and how it's delivered and executed. This is a solid film, so it doesn't take anything away from Kenneth Brown's repertoire. But I, I think I just expect more of him. And I think it's fair to expect more of him with this material.
4: I think it was magical at the very beginning, that opening scene where she's calling for the kid to come, to come eat or come for tea. And they find him if they would have stuck on his perspective, I think it would have been way more magical. Yeah.
0: All right, Bill, everything you said is wrong, basically. That's what <laughs> we've concluded as a panel. <laughs> if there's if there's no last word on that, we'll move on to the third film on our list. <laughs> Jane Campion for the power of the dog.
3: I'm just gonna assume that you guys all love this movie.
2: <laughs> I you know what, I'll be honest, I, I didn't like it i thought it was like okay until the last 10 minutes and then i was all in i was like i'm in sold the last 10 minutes got me i'm like all right yeah it just has been an hour and a half an hour 20 hour 40 minutes whatever it is build up for the 10 minutes like <laughs> exactly <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah i felt the same way it was uh, first of all i mean it's beautiful just yes. beautifully shot the 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 way they shoot through things there's always kind of this proscenium looking through barn doors into other rooms and through the kitchen door into the serving area and things like that and and just yeah gorgeous to look at but yeah same thing i i mean performances aside which i also think were great um so yeah just just watching and sort of wondering where is the movie going and the bronco henry thing and it's you know is it going to be a movie about a, a you know a guy sort of grooming this young boy for a relationship or you know and it just wasn't revealing itself and then you get to the last 10 minutes and like here's what it is and by the way we're done and I was like, oh, okay.
2: Here's what it is. And by the way, that has to go with the prologue of the voiceover that was the first 30 seconds of the movie. Like, yeah. oh, okay. I see why you're telling this story. Yeah. Yeah. Totally makes sense now. Until, because until that last 10 minutes, it was, wow, this kid's going to suck as a doctor. <laughs> oh, he's going to be a brilliant doctor. Okay. I get it. <laughs> like, how is he not figuring that? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I was like, is he a serial killer, you know, a burgeoning serial killer? Is he like, what, what, you know, what is going on?
2: Yeah.
1: When mm-hmm. when Jesse Plemons just vanishes from the movie for a portion of time, I was like, wait, I thought, I thought this was this Jesse Plemons, you know, Kirsten Dunst movie. What's yeah. going on?
0: You know, I hate to make a comparison because I'm not an M. Night Shyamalan fan, but you make me think of The Sixth Sense, which... I actually hated when I was watching straight through the most boring ghost story ever. But at the end, there's that (laughs) twist that goes. I do think this movie to move away from that comparison is more engaging uh, all the way through. As Sean pointed out, I think it's beautiful to watch. Um, I think the Western stuff is on point. Like it feels very much like a dusty lived in Western rather than just sort of packaged around sort of a Western idea, which I thought really works for the sort of, understated uh, approach to the material, um, I think the end sort of locks in my appreciation of the film overall and I really liked it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, the one other thing I loved about it was like the sound design, like the dead quiet and then the boots on wood floors and depending on who's walking, the sound of the different boots and literally the exact same steps can either sound menacing or welcoming. It helps you immerse yourself into this world that's so, uh, isolated from everything else.
4: I need better speakers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch it again with headphones on.
1: Get an get a Apple TV and use your AirPods. It's great. You got the spatial audio.
4: I, I've been bullied, you know, when I was younger. So 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 for me, like the sense of dread that Cumberbatch brought to his character was palpable. Yes. like like it was something that i could really relate to at some point where i think out of all the people that that they're that on this list like um like that guy should get some kind of award for being that terrifying he, he made me feel unsettled the entire time that i watched the movie which which i found very interesting
1: he does an amazing job of presenting the inner turmoil the re- he's a bully but but yeah. you
4: at the same time he's that that's who he is yeah, yeah.
0: Now wait a minute, Roger. How did you tie this one into your life story? You said something about I'm noticing a trend with how you relate to these films. <laughs> like, like,
4: like that's really how I relate to films, right? Like those, those experiences that I had as a child. Like, like if you can make me feel the way that I felt when I was younger, then 100%, I'm full in, right? Like, it, yeah. and I think filmmakers as a whole always relate to those things. So that the idea was let's make this guy feel as menacing as possible. He was the biggest bully out there. I felt that just watching it made me relive emotions that I hadn't felt for a very long time, that he was threatening and menacing. And, and um, the, I, I think the, the scene where he decides to, to at uh, the beginning where he decides to menace him when they're in the, the kitchen or in, in the dining room area was was to me, it sold the entire movie to me. I was like I was like, so he's homophobic. And um, so he might have a hang up about being gay. And he's gonna bully this person that he feels is fine being whoever wants to be. That was threatening. And, and, and it sold, like his performance sold the entire film for me.
1: And while we're talking about, I mean, we should also say, uh, I don't know for everybody, but for me, I thought Kirsten Dunst was fantastic. Her, yes. you know, th- this time period where women had no agency and were basically, you know, if not for the person they married, In a lot of trouble and and the way that she played this slow descent into alcoholism based on the treatment by by benedict's character i mean a a very impressive performance i thought
0: bill you introduced it saying are you going to counter program on us
3: well i mean i I was accurate i think i was accurate in my prediction of how this one was going (laughs) to (laughs) go it was about five minutes into the movie where i went all right how long is it going to be before we see benedict cumberbatch full frontal nudity and there it (laughs) was like i like jen campion i do obviously because i just made a harvey Keitel joke like you know it's like i you know i saw the piano i love top of the lake but i was i it took me like four different sittings i had to keep stopping and walking away and (laughs) which I I really don't like doing in general, because I think it affects everything else. But um, I thought the performances were great. I did get caught up at the very end and went, oh, okay, I should. That's that's a really great place to end. But for that first hour, I was like, oh, my God. All right. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. I don't (laughs) know. I think I'm just getting more impatient with uh, established directors.
1: I was, I, I'm, I'm close to you, Bill. I mean, I was definitely going, this movie is weird, man. Yeah. Like, it's just weird. What is, you know, where, where is the story going? And I
3: expect that from Jane Campion too, <laughs> like, a, like a lot of distraction, you know, look over here. Cause this is where the real story is, yeah. but you know, yeah.
2: I just thought, especially since oh, apropos of nothing considering they shot New Zealand, I thought Montana was big sky country and there are a lot of hills and mountains. <laughs> but it's still beautiful it passed but for shooting mid-covid as far as i could tell shooting in new zealand they got some pretty big name actors who probably had to fly in quarantine for over two weeks in a hotel room to shoot one day two days fly back two weeks like spend more time traveling than shooting but they're in let's do it why not
1: well they only had to get one room for kirsten <laughs> and jesse so that's saved them, uh...
2: <laughs> another bubble it's all about the bubbles
3: <laughs> it really is I to look listen to last year's we weren't talking about bubbles the last
1: year's <laughs> conversation
0: yeah it's and true. that was still in the middle of it. Well the fourth film on our list is Steven Spielberg for West Side Story.
1: oh boy go go for it bill go
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: I mean all right. I'm the film geek or we're all film geeks, but I mean, like, you know, I grew up watching the original. I've been fully aware my entire adult life, all the things that are wrong with this movie that I I find very, very precious, most of which the fact that there's white folks in brownface for... Who knows, I, I, there's probably Asians playing Puerto Ricans in the original, <laughs> I can almost guarantee it. Like it's, you know, it's a very, I'm sure there's a lot of racism going on and, and problems with the original, but it stays close to the source material. I mean, like that's that's where I came down on this, was that West Side Story, for those of you who don't know, is Romeo and Juliet. It's almost scene for scene. And Spielberg decided to rewrite Shakespeare I mean I think that says that to me like like there's there was just so much to fix I don't know why you have to fix things that weren't wrong
2: I, I mean I, I, yes the casual racism is hard to watch but then you also have yes a movie based on a movie based on a musical that was written in the early to mid 50s that has a song called America with lyrics like yeah let's we can do this but only if you're white in America like the lyrics of the songs flat out call out the racism that exists in America. So I still have a love of Sondheim, but problematic as he can be, but I have a love of Sondheim and the, I mean, Rita Moreno, another one up there with Judy Dench can do no wrong. And then when I watch the credits, executive producer Rita Moreno, I'm like, like okay, I can, how much do I choose to ignore what's bad about that versus how are we re, I, I don't know. But I mean, you can't listen to America and not love everything that's happening right at that moment. That song is brilliant.
3: But there was a lyric that they dropped that really got me. And maybe the, I have to ask you, Roger. Yeah. It, was it always the population growing? Is that racist? There's
2: something. I was gonna say. Let's let the actual Latino guys speak about this, as opposed to a bunch of white folk. I
4: have all kinds of problems about this movie, (laughs) even the original, right? Like, so I love the original, right? Um, But you know, the Puerto Ricans in New York were, were the last group of of immigrants came to New York City, but they were the actual first group of immigrants that came to New York City. They had nothing, right? Like they they everybody else had a a foundation. I, I believe that at that point, when Puerto Ricans came, the economy fell out of uh, manufacturing, so Puerto Ricans couldn't go get jobs sewing or or building or doing anything in the manufacturing industry industry in New York City. So, so they were relegated to food stamps and government assistance. It, it really wasn't helpful for them. Everybody else had a had a way to like build as they went up. Uh, that aside. Right. Like uh um for me, the representation is weird, right? Because you have all these people that move into this neighborhood and then are subsequently hated. And and I think he could have done a better job at representing the way that, that feels from that side if he was gonna fix it, because that's something that happened in the fifties. And, and all the representation was purely from a white side. Why wouldn't you make the representation something from a more grounded version of what it really feels like to be an immigrant? And they didn't they didn't do that for me it was always about assimilation how do, how do you become how do you become white right and that's that's um italian americans became white and jewish americans became white and I, I i know this might be controversial but that's everybody at some point in the, in the census ended up putting white on their on their census card but but it didn't they didn't really show how that would work or or what it feels to be like of another race, in my opinion.
0: A lot of the racism we're talking about from the original is sort of baked into the production of the time. It's like you mentioned the brownface bill and sort of how it captured what the motivations of folks, I think to your point, Roger, about assimilation and sort of a view of that in a certain way. Obviously, there's it's a beloved musical there's problems there. And I think Spielberg recognizes there's problem. That's why he goes to Tony Kuster and says, we're going to rewrite the book to add more depth. And it's not really so much the racism of the piece, but rather sort of the racism of the production that we're going to cast, um, you know, Latin actors to play these characters and a sort of an attempt to address. And I think that's where it starts to become problematic, like trying to address it, then you have to start to ask why. Like, I don't think you can actually fix what's going on. And if you're not really going after the lyrics and sort of how things are baked, I think, I think you're just opening up more problems. It makes me question why this needs to be done at all.
4: No, no, exactly. Why, why did it need to exist and why did you have to do it again? You know, it, it feels to me that it has all the same problems as the original, even if they changed a couple of words in the lyrics, right? There's never any reason about why we all become American yeah, like if you come to America, it's going to be great, but it doesn't state anything about coming to America and being brown and then having to assimilate, right? Like my my real name is Rogelio Alejandro Murillo Mendoza, right? But you say that to somebody that's American and they're like, what, Rogelio? <laughs> like, No, it's Rogelio. And they're like, Rogelio. I'm like, okay, I can't say that. Okay, it's Roger, <laughs> right? But, but it's kind of the same thing, the same thing, like without addressing those issues about, simulation I don't think this film really works and I don't think it'll ever really work. It's wonderful. I love the musicals and I want dance. And I you know like Maria's like my favorite thing yeah. ever.
1: <laughs> the color, the dresses, the whole yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's I, I, um that the, the the scene where the jets are running through the upper east side where I think it was actually Lincoln Hill. So it's like somewhere on the west side, right? Like um it's, it's amazing from a like production standpoint to put that many cars on the street, to dress that many people, to do that much hair. Like I, I can't even, I can't even understand how much that would cost or how long it would take every morning to have to do that. it's amazing. But from a, from my cultural perspective, I think it lasts. I, I'm, I'm Brown in America and that, that shit was hard. <laughs> right? It's still, it's still some days hard when you tell somebody that your name is Roger and they're like, Um, jose (laughs) right so that's without addressing those things they didn't address any of those things that that made it a concern they had all the opportunity to and they just wanted to make a prettier version of the original movie
1: yeah i don't disagree with any of that um obviously being a caucasian person i don't have the insight that roger does but um the yeah. I mean, what I like, what I did like about it, I like the actors. I thought uh, Ariana DeBose in particular and uh, David Alvarez, I think, plays Bernardo. I just thought they were excellent. And I also like uh, Mike Feist, who plays Riff. Uh, I would give that guy an Oscar nomination for that. I thought he was excellent. Um, but yeah, I mean, the movie, obviously, I grew up with the original. It was my mother's favorite film. Um, and, and so it was always on. Um, And when you're a kid, you don't you don't recognize the problems. But then now looking at it, I think it's the same thing. It's like, why? Why did he need to do this one? Why? You know, why don't you just do the music man or something? You know, (laughs) this is this is treacherous waters to wade into.
0: My
3: biggest fear is that I think he used to always say in interviews that before he made any movie, he watched West Side Story and uh, Lawrence of Arabia. And that's my biggest fear is that he's going to try and do that next.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In a year when you have on the musical front, uh, you have In the Heights that you can discuss whether you liked it or didn't, but it's a modern and sincere take on these sort of issues in a way that this whole sort of back and forth reminds me very much of uh, Green Book doing so well in 2018 when you've got, if Beale Street could talk over here on the side, a much better uh, look at the African-American experience than this. And I'm afraid that Spielberg and West Side Story just sucking the oxygen out of a conversation that we can't have. And in fact, we are trying to have.
1: Yeah, and also because of what Bill said, that West Side Story is is Romeo and Juliet. So you're retelling a retelling of a retelling.
3: Yeah, it's a West Side Story is the modernization of yeah. a... 16th
4: yeah. century but wasn't it supposed to be originally about what the Jewish diaspora versus the was, Irish diaspora yeah. right yeah. like that was the original story right but they couldn't actually sell that so they sold it like the Puerto Ricans against the Americans so I think maybe it loses a little bit something in that context or maybe it doesn't right because I, I like well, I can only speak for what it means to be Latin American in the United States that diaspora is so um Branched, right? Like I can tell you what it feels like to be Colombian here and have my experience, but I can't tell you exactly what it means to be a, a first or second generation Puerto Rican in the United States, right? But but I imagine that 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 the racism has to be somewhat similar. For me, I think I think from that perspective, having a bunch of white guys tell you the story about what it's supposed to be like to be Puerto Rican in the United States. Is, is um disingenuous and it felt disingenuous to me. And it felt like it was lacking, especially in this day and age.
3: I'd honestly like to see Lin Wen, well, Lin's version. <laughs> <laughs> of west side story before i'd like to see this version of tick tick boom but let's a, yeah. a conversation for next you switch
1: week. switch directors on those they two. Should have yeah switched.
2: except that lynn will be smart enough to be like but do we need this <laughs> so it goes back to like you were not gonna you're never gonna get this
4: it was a difficult thing for me to watch even though i really love all the singing and dancing
2: but also can we just also still talk about how amazing rita moreno is i just want it's to an put an that amazing, back into the amazing
1: there. At like ninety years old.
2: Yes.
3: And she's f- probably finally getting the money she deserves for the original, being 100%. a producer on Spielberg's version.
2: A hundred percent. Yes.
1: Well, I would. I also just do want to say Janusz Kaminski, uh, Adam Stockhausen, the production design again, the, the the sort of technical category, just absolutely beautiful to look at. Those costumes okay. that Roger mentioned. Yes, the costumes,
2: but also gorgeous. like the red and the blue. The Jets are always in blue. The Sharks are always in red. But then suddenly Maria's in blue when she's going to meet Tony. But then she's in pink when she's still with the other cleaners at the mall overnight. But then now she's back in blue. Tony's in red when he's going to go stop the fight. So just all these little small things.
4: It, It really is. To me, it's probably the prettiest movie. And I think he should get Best Cinematographer.
1: Janusz. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: I mean, he won't. It'll go to Dune, but we'll talk about that.
1: Really?
0: Sadly. Really? It's like all sand. It's just sand. Listen, we get into the Oscar series next. I'll have a couple of actual cinematographers come and talk about that so you guys can stow those opinions until you've heard what they have to say about it. (laughs) Fair Uh, enough. But while we're talking about the production on this, I will say, and maybe it's because I was out of it from the beginning, but I noticed a couple of times there's some jump cuts in some of the music numbers that made me wonder if they actually got the coverage they needed to really deliver on this like that was a surprise to me given that it's spielberg
1: he's uh, have you guys ever worked with him mm-hmm. with steven I, I did two films not i wasn't in production at that point i was working for actors but he literally kind of like uh, in general with the exception of saving private ryan he knows every cut that he's gonna make which kind of pisses the actors off because he'll cut you mid dialogue You'd be in the middle of a line and he'll be like cut good moving on. And they're like, wait, can we just, and he's like, no, 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 I'm going to be around. I'll be RB on the other side for this already. So I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't catch any jump cuts, but if it's there, it, he made a choice um, for whatever reason in, in my experience of seeing him on set for two films.
2: And I also just, I have worked filming musicals for uh, granted TV, which is not quite the same, but timing shots, so that lyrics pick up at just the right moment, and you don't lose the beat when you're on a different set and having to move. If you don't shoot in order, which oftentimes you can't, it is unbelievably tricky to make sure you get the exact right moments of picking up on the beats and at the right moments. So that's more what I was watching for. I'm like, mm. that matched perfectly.
0: So our last nominee by the DGA for theatrical film is Denis Villeneuve for Dune.
1: Is that how you say it? Unless you're British, then you say June. No, not... (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about Villeneuve? (laughs) I've
4: been
3: been saying Dene all this this whole time. Oh,
1: yeah, Denis. Denis.
3: No, I meant for Dune.
1: Never
0: mind. Uh All right, well, Dune, what'd you guys think?
2: Good, but I'm in the, like, Part one shouldn't be nominated. It's not a whole movie yet. It's half of a movie. It's like the same thing with like Return of the King and Two Towers and this. Like you can nominate the others. It's still only half of a movie. You don't get the movie to ends in the second act. I know. Like <laughs> okay, so Irishman, three hours long. I can sit there and say, well, the first half was great. Doesn't matter. If the <laughs> second half sucks, the movie sucks. Like, I'm not saying the Irishman sucks. We've already had that conversation, but I'm saying You have to look at a movie as a whole. This is only the first half. It's not a whole movie yet. Well, I'll back down.
3: Yeah, calm down. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Please, please. uh, No, no. Um, Only because, you know, and it's a vote of what I thought of the rest of the movies this year. But yes, this one was my favorite. But recognizing what you say, did they actually shoot the second half yet? I mean, I I didn't think so. But, uh, you know, I was so engrossed that, Two and a half hours in, I was like, all right, now the good stuff starts. And I looked at the time and went, oh shit, the movie's over. What the
4: hell's going <laughs> on?
3: Because I'm a massive fan of the books. Yes, I've read 16 of the 19 that there are or whatever. So, like, so like I, again, much like with West Side Story, I'm a little jaded because I'm going off of the source material, but it was so on the source material. And I think that that's what's going to. That's what's making the people that have read the book go, oh, shit, they're actually doing it the right way, because you can literally sit there and go, George Lucas stole that. Oh, my George Lucas stole that. Now they're even talking about the Spice and the Mandalorian. I'm like, at least now everybody knows it. (laughs) Like, I mean, I'd love Star Wars to death, but I discovered in my 20s that it was all in Dune. (laughs)
2: Yeah, but George Lucas figured out 35, Jesus, 55 years ago, how to put it on the screen.
3: Right, exactly. And you couldn't do this. And David Lynch, who I also love, kind of proved that you couldn't do this 30 years ago. That just the... Um, the force field, the personal shields were impossible. The blocky square looking It's hilarious (laughs) but you try and show that to a kid a kid that never played Atari 2600 and they don't get why that's acceptable for the 80s.
0: Well, And the limitation of the film I went back and watched the original after I had seen Dune twice actually and the attempt to sort of shoehorn so much exposition into it and sort of talky 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 in a way that the action even gets lost in the in the lynch version this though i will disagree with you katie they didn't know they were going to get a second film i think it does stand on its own yes there's more to come but what's delivered in this i think from a dramatic perspective to be able to tell the story that it did to be like bill said just be enraptured for more than two hours with the story they do plus all of the uh, villainy trademarks i think is sort of that ominous feeling, just the sort of epic landscapes, the use of soundtrack, the direction. I think the acting is fantastic in this across the board from, from actors that I didn't expect them to be at this level. I give him credit for all of that. And I do think it deserves a, a directing nom. Whatever happens with the second film, this film, I think, stands on its own. Again, not in terms of story, but in terms of uh, skill on, on what it is. And so I'm I'm very happy to see it here. It's my favorite film of the year just hands down
4: where do you go from like this to the more complicated versions of the book right so like do you go from this to the like the end of this original story dune and then where do you go from like uh like messiah and children of dune
3: well that's the thing is that this is people don't even realize it but this is already a jason momoa project because duncan idaho is the one character becomes the hero moment.
4: all the way along yeah. yes he's the yeah. clone of everybody so I mean, you, know,
0: <laughs> like, you know
3: jason momoa has a problem tomorrow and doesn't make movies anymore then never mind for the dune sequels basically
0: <laughs> i i think it's an interesting question yes they're shooting the second half of the first book now i don't know that Denis Villeneuve is gonna stick around for a third movie on that i think he's will move on to some other property i don't see him doing Ten of these, I don't know that, and I don't know that I'd want there to be ten of them. I would love to well, see his take on some of the later books, but I don't know that it's going to go in that direction. I think these two movies are going to be done.
3: You've got a you've got a change between a second and a third movie with the books, though, so he could stick around through this, and he could do a tr- trilogy through Dune Messiah and somebody else do Children.
4: Marvel did it. Marvel managed to make ten movies and make them cohesive. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but, but what's that mean for somebody, So for, for a film series that's very highbrow, which I've always expected Dune to be?
2: Well, Marvel also had Kevin Feige. So Dune, look, I, I've never read the books. I just know of them. I'm aware of them, but <laughs> I've heard talk. I know the stories. Um, all I need. I don't need to go back and read them. Um, but so, but you have, so you have one one person who is, maybe not the mastermind, but the seeing it all the way through. So that's what I would be worried about in this case. Is one person going to make sure like, and maybe it's Vell who is a producer on all of them. Like, hey, no, you need to do this. We need to do this. Or has a concept in mind for book 10, just to make sure you can make it all the way through.
4: Is somebody steering the ship. Exactly. Oh. I don't think there's anybody steering the ship.
2: <laughs> that would be my concern. Going back to my original concept of, but so I understand that there are more books. I get that it's one story, but the moment you say part one in the opening title credits, it's like, what?
1: <laughs> by doing that, you're taking a pretty big gamble. You know, it's, it's pretty ballsy as a filmmaker to say upfront, oh, this is only half of a story. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge villain of fan. I don't think the guy has made a bad movie yet, and he's made about seven or eight now, which is kind of mind boggling. Um, this movie, I would, I had not read the books. I'd seen the Lynch original when I was a teenager, probably, and thought it was just super weird and didn't get it. Um, this one I had to watch a couple times to like figure it out. Uh, but, but once I did and I, and I plugged it earlier, they should give you some money skid. But if you have an Apple TV and you connect your AirPods to it, um and watch the movie that you get sound design stuff that like i mean because i didn't see it theatrically incredible just incredible every element of the movie as bill was saying the the shields and the the way that he interpreted all of these things just kind of astonishing
3: like i even like uh, something i've heard i was trying to explain it on a third and fourth (laughs) watching to some children and uh (laughs) Kids, let me tell you. <laughs> no, but, uh, <laughs> to me, I was like the Atreides' secret battle language and the Atreides' secret sign language, which goes into great detail in the book and becomes a major plot point. It's like, it's there. But I, I don't know whether a, a normal person would just not even notice that, or uh, you guys don't.
1: Know. <laughs> now the sign language was, re- was really cool i thought that was
4: great every time i try to get through the first hundred like uh pages of the book i stop
0: yeah i'm not pushing the book i read it as a kid and there's a lot of sort of let me just sort of scan this page because Oh, still talking about sand still talking about sand I just gotta flip <laughs> hey, ahead. like well, it's yeah, you know,
4: 100 but... pages of bullshit before you get somewhere else where you can actually get the plot there's <laughs> right? 400 so, pages
3: of the two towers that's two guys walk through a swamp all right so yeah but there's hobbits
1: <laughs> by the way so he is they are gonna they're not shooting the second one yet i don't think but they're they're mounting up to uh and and later this year but i don't know that he would do messiah because they've announced that Denis villanov is preparing another big book uh rendezvous with rama uh is going to be a movie cool. that he's doing um, and he's also, he's developing for television, I think he's going to direct the pilot, uh, something called Dune, the Sisterhood, which maybe Bill knows about as well.
3: Yeah, it's a prequel to the, about the Bene Gesserit. That's, that's like the okay. nerd, the 17th movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I mean, maybe he's going to do like a, like a, you know, Chris Nolan overseeing the, you know the superman movies and stuff like that maybe he's still Overseeing gonna sort of, <laughs> yeah he's gonna stay above everything after the second film is done and just sort of like pop in and go yeah i would probably do this or that or change that but i knows? think
4: it's a really hard franchise to stay on top of honestly like it's it's, it's, it's yeah so cerebral and, and 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 deep in some places that, that it's difficult to actually be able to get to everybody
0: well, you can bet there's somebody at Warner Brothers whose job it is to figure that out because there's no way that they're going to let it go if they can make more money off of this run. We'll we'll just have to see what uh, well will just see what it comes in <laughs> the next movie. Like how well the Bill, you movie gotta,
1: does. Bill, you got You've got to tell me, Bill. I we didn't see Josh Brolin die on screen. Does he? Can I? Can, are we going to get a little more Josh Brolin?
3: Uh, it reads the book. <laughs> 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 i'm not
1: gonna love it now
2: <laughs> i mean that's uh, the yeah. old to standard if you don't see them die on screen they're still alive let's be honest. sure sure yeah that's how but it works no, I, you know
1: yeah, i just exactly. had to know. <laughs> uh, it,
3: it, you got you got more of him for sure but you don't have more jace momoa until the next book
1: yeah okay okay
2: i will say at the very end seeing the guy ride the standworm i'm like Oh, there's a lot more to this world that we don't know that, <laughs> like, oh, uh, okay, okay. I, look, I, all that being said of like, oh, it's book, one book and this and that. I still loved it. I mean, like you said, Sean, villain of has never done a bad movie as far as I'm concerned. So it, it, it's not, the subject matter is maybe not my cup of tea, but story-wise, it's great.
0: Did, did you
4: just like Timothy Chalamet? Yeah. Kitty?
2: i really don't i really don't <laughs> well, paul's <laughs>
3: supposed to be 15 and he looks 15
2: he's supposed to be 15 yeah Paul, i would have said a scrawny 18 year old scrawny 20 year old like- i'm
1: fine with i'm fine with timmy chalamet for me it was all about rebecca ferguson yes I thought she was great
2: yes she killed. Them. And Oscar Isaac. I thought Oscar Isaac was brilliant. Well,
0: I think yeah. the second half of this is going to be a, a bigger lift for the young actors, and we'll just have to see how they pull it off and what Denis gets out of them as far as performances. So to wrap it up, guys, let's go around the table. Of the five films we're looking at here, go ahead and put them in order. Who's brave enough to do that?
3: All right. I would say, for me, Dune, well... All right, I'm I'm hesitating. Licorice Pizza and Belfast, I'm kind of two and three. I think that Belfast is two and Licorice Pizza is three. Power of the Dog, West Side Story last.
1: All right, I'm going to go Dune, Power of the Dog, uh, West Side Story, Belfast, Licorice Pizza.
4: I'm going to say Dune, West Side Story, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dog, Belfast.
0: Wait a minute. With all the problems you had with West Side Story, you still think it's the second best of these five films? Yeah. All right.
2: I'm going to go Power of the Dog, Dune, Belfast, West Side Story, Licorice Pizza.
0: All right. Well, the correct answers are Dune is the <laughs> number one, Power of the Dog is second, Licorice Pizza is third, Belfast is fourth, and West Side Story should never have been made. That's That's fifth. All right, guys. Well, we'll find out what the voters decide. The ceremony will be on March 12th. But before then, you guys will all be back again later this week when we're going to talk about the first-time feature nominees. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks, guys. Thanks, kid. Bye. Thanks, kid. Bye. Is that really the voice you want to go out on? I'm going to (laughs) leave that. No, that's it. That's it. Listeners, hope you enjoyed that. If you're interested in learning more about the podcast, please visit our website, belowthelineoneword.biz. That's B I C. You'll find links to all of our social media, and it's easy to peruse past episodes. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music, John Wan for our logo, and loyal listeners for sticking with us. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate us. This has been Below the Line. Let me try an outro again. I don't know why I feel off on it. I think I'm disturbed by all the negative things Katie said about Dune. I'm <laughs> off it my wasn't game. That bad. I'm Dune off was my horrible. <laughs> You're right. You're right, Katie. So so upset, Katie, about it being I, a part one. It I was just saying, like
2: the concept of it being nominated. Nothing's bad about the movie. <laughs> it oh, shouldn't
4: been nominated for anything. Okay.
1: <laughs> He's just saying it's Return of the Kings, kid. That's all.
2: It's That's all I'm saying. Kings. Like Two Towers. No. No. The King. Yes.
0: Well, we have a separate conversation about those movies.